We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the November 1st, Tuesday edition of the Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by No House Advantage. Hey, it's trade deadline. We know you guys are all actively watching on Twitter. Just click on the video. We're going to keep you up to every trade that's happening, discuss all the ramifications thus far. Probably not what that means from a waiver wire perspective because most of these guys are not going to impact things too much. No, we're not going to talk about Bradley Chubb because we don't care about defensive players in this channel, unfortunately. <laughs> but we'll go over all the trades, continue to keep that updated as we push towards the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. And, of course, talk the waiver wire pickups entering week nine, which complicating matters further is going to be a heavy bye week as well, too. So stick around for all of that here. Again, welcome to the Tuesday, November 1st edition of the Word of Wire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by uh, No House Advantage. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. It's Joe Bartle, obviously, and here alongside me, as always, Jake Klarski at Roto Jake. It's waiver wire pickups. It's trade deadline. It's a heavy bye week. There's a lot going on, so we'll get right to it. But first, before we do that, No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pickup contests versus other people for, for the shot at winning cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest. Select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You'll test your skills versus the house, and you can 20 times X your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sport, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up for promo or sign up with promo code now, NHA Wire. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app in the app store to get a first deposit match. Up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefining. It's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. I think, Jake, it's going to be best to just recap the trades mm-hmm. first. And as yeah. we continue on over the next 20, 25 minutes here, make sure we're mm-hmm. catching any hopeful we Packer both, moves, we right? Both, yeah, exactly. We both have Twitter up. And and it's funny, you know, argues, arguably the biggest move of the day so far is Chase Claypool to the Bears, right? So the rebuilding Bears are going out to get a wide receiver, while the Packers, who might have one shot left, ha- have not bothered. But I guess that is, uh, it gets to be a little tough to do when you're three and five. But uh, but regardless. Like the Bears uh, three and five? Or the, I mean, the Packers are. I know, and the <laughs> yeah. Bears are too, and yet they're making moves. Yeah. Hey, it's guess ridiculous. what? This is going to be a venting session for us as Packer mm-hmm. fans as well, too. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the Claypool deal is probably the most impactful yep. from a fan's perspective. The Bears gave up their second-round pick, it appears, not the mm-hmm. one that they uh, acquired by trading Roquan Smith. So, what, pick 40 through 30? Yeah. Three. It's, it's, uh, it's just amazing. You go and trade two of your best defensive players one day, you trade them away, and then the next day you go ahead and massively help your offense. So this is uh, it, it's just crazy interesting because now you have Darnell Mooney, who was already perpetually on the cut list. He's 52% rostered in Yahoo. He would have maybe made an ad session. I don't know. Uh, Chase Claypool's 58% rostered. Um, you know, I joked. It's, it's funny because I have in one league both Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and a 14-teamer, and somehow they both got significantly better. You know, the outlook for both seems to have gotten better because uh, – you know, Claypool wasn't getting used super heavily, um, you know, by the Steelers. And, you know, I don't know for sure that the offensive circumstances is that much better than the Bears. Now, I know Justin Fields is our, uh, our our cover boy this week. He's definitely shown some signs of improvement over the last couple of weeks here. 
but is he going to be better at getting Claypool to ball than than the Trubisky, uh, you know, Pickett situation was? So uh, I, I guess I guess we'll wait and see here. But Claypool is a type of guy who I feel like uh, can make plays in a throw the ball up to him scenario. And when Fields is able to run around like he does and scramble, find space, reset his feet and throw, there could be some opportunities for Claypool downfield. Now, week to week consistency might be tough, but there will be a couple of big games, I believe, the rest of the year. Yeah, unlike Aaron Rodgers, where you would say, hey, he's going to have at least a month plus to to get confident with his target. The way the Bears operate offensively, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery just run the ball exclusively. And then, oh, we'll have Justin Fields make a play. Fields might just say, hey, there's a six foot four guy that runs a four three. I'm just going to throw on the ball and see what happens. And Claypool has been talented enough for his career in worse situations. And to be clear, I think Roethlisberger and certainly Trubisky and Pickett are worse than what he's going to get mm-hmm. with Fields. He's been productive yeah. in that capacity. Somebody asked, does Claypool actually improve David Montgomery's value? And I thought that was kind of an interesting one. I don't think so. I think the Bears offense is one of the worst in the league. And despite Claypool being added, and that's a good addition they will remain one of the worst in the league. That offensive line is still bad. Montgomery so, gets you know hard yards per carry. To it's me, tough. to me, that's the wrong question to ask. What you should be asking is, does Claypool uh, improve Khalil Herbert's value? Because I think we oh, saw a yeah. pretty big changing of the guard here mm. with the Bears last week. Now, not to get uh, you know too sidetracked here, but I believe um, Herbert had. Uh, one more carry than Montgomery. Montgomery had significantly more a higher snap share, but Herbert had one more carry, and of course Montgomery got the targets. But um, and of course this was the only time that happened in a game. But uh, Herbert seems to be just as effective, if not more effective, running the football than Montgomery. So maybe that's the wrong question to ask him in the first place. That's fair. So Claypool moved to the Bears. He had Hawkinson kicking off the trade deadline at least today. Uh, second and fifth round pick or third round pick? Second, second and third round pick to the Vikings. Irv Smith out eight to ten weeks uh, with yep. a high ankle sprain. He went on IR, I believe, right he, before the show started. And honestly, if you're in dynasty leagues, Irv Smith might be a cut. Uh, he is due for an extension mm-hmm. this offseason. He's but, obviously a cut in, in redraft. So, yep, yep. And, and Hawkinson, I, I think, was already like tight end four or five. Does that change the equation for you at all? I, I think Hawkinson doesn't bump up significantly. You me. know, I was talking to uh, you know boss man Peter Shanky right before this show, mm-hmm. and because you know he's a Vikings fan, and I have I have Hawkinson in stake league, and I'm excited for his prospects there on, on a team that is, uh, I mean, the Lions haven't been terrible on offense. That wasn't necessarily, you know, outside of a couple of games, that ne- wasn't necessarily the problem there. But uh, the Vikings do have a lot of options to give the ball to. So um, I, I'm going to say neutral because he gets a better quarterback. Probably I'd say Cousins over Goff, but there's more competition and more talented competition there. So I'm going to call this a wash. But I was joking with uh, with Pete before the show. I was like, so now I, I have a league where I have Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins. Uh, Cousins has a just a embarrassment of riches, you know, at at his disposal in terms of weapons. Whereas Herbert has lost all of his weapons and is limited to throwing fifteen times to his checkdown to make any plays uh, on offense. So what what I thought was going to be a start Herbert every week and maybe even cut Cousins after the bye is suddenly a decision on a week to week basis now. Yeah, definitely one to at least be interested in from that from that perspective. Somebody mm-hmm. else had asked. Higby or Hawkinson rest of the season now that Hawkinson has been moved to the Vikings. Uh, Higby was a PPR maven through the first four or five weeks. We we have the Vegas Superflex League. Tight ends get a, a point and a half per reception. It's a bit more of a premium on the tight ends. He's great for the first four or five weeks. Less targets thus far. Maybe if Cooper Cup were to be out for a little bit, that, that could make an impact. I'm not positive. I, I think Hawkinson is my call rest of the season and would have been entering the year two. But I just want to be curious with you. What's mm-hmm. your thoughts are, Jake? Yeah, I don't know. With three catches in the last uh, two weeks there for Hagby, sure, he could turn it around. I mean, he has three double-digit target games on the season. And you basically had to remind me about the high volume that Higby was seeing early in the season because I was like, no, this is Hawkinson. This is a no-brainer. Is that a question? But um, it, it's Hawkinson, maybe not as not by as wide of a gap as I initially, like my first instinct was, mm-hmm. but it's definitely Hawkinson over Higby. We had Kelvin Ridley traded to the Jaguars. It, it appears to be essentially a third-round pick, possibly second-round pick, depending on how mm-hmm. the Jaguars play. There's Kelvin a whole Ridley's, list of stipulations. Yeah, Kelvin Ridley's extension uh, upcoming this offseason, which I, I think they have to do, so it's going to be a choice whether it becomes that direction. I'm, I'm interested from a dynasty perspective. I had stashed. Kelvin Ridley in any league that had IR or anything like that equivalence in dynasty, because I think mm-hmm. he's a good player. And a lot of people are like, Oh, he gambled. He's going to be done for his entire career. And I'm like, no, that, that's not how it works in today's mm-hmm. day and age. Yeah. Ridley is a Supreme talent. I'm not certain, certain the situation makes sense, but the Jaguars paid a premium more than likely 
for mm-hmm. Ridley, which means they're going to have to make this work, in my opinion. Yeah, and you have to count on the development of Trevor Lawrence, which I think we're seeing you know, a little bit of before our eyes. And the Jags clearly seem to be gearing up to be ready to contend here in these next couple of years. Of course, a few things have to fall for that to go. But uh, the, the tricky thing with Ridley, it's the same as it was at the beginning of the year, right? That suspension status means that in most fantasy formats, you can't toss them on your IR. So if you're going to stash him in a keeper league, chances are he's taking up a valuable bench spot for the remainder of the rest of the season. And even if I can go pick him up for, you know, $1 in my 12-team keeper league where you get two players, uh, I don't know if I can survive. Even this week, there's six teams on by this week. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that becomes very difficult to survive. Maybe after this week you think about it. But uh, the long-term outlook for Ridley, I mean, maybe it improves slightly um, with Trevor Lawrence over some question marks, you know, in Atlanta. Will Mariota be back? Uh, will what kind of what are we going to get out of Desmond Ritter? That kind of thing. There's still question marks where at least there's stability in Jacksonville. This is Lawrence's gig here, and uh, you can expect some natural progression there. So maybe a slight bump in outlook, but really it's not all that different from where you were at at the beginning of the season in terms of how you're handling him in fantasy. Perhaps the biggest uh, trade from a fantasy perspective, at least for our podcast, was essentially twofold. So you had the Dolphins acquire Bradley Chubb uh, and trade away Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. They sent a, the Dolphins sent a first round pick. It's now laughable that the three first rounders they got for Lance ended up being trade up for Waddle, getting Tyreek Hill, and now Bradley Chubb. One of the better deals of all time if you put it together in that perspective. So you think Chase Wonderful. Edmonds going to the Broncos? Interesting, right? Because a yeah. Raheem Mostert. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm going to outline it, Jake. Yeah, let's hear. Raheem Mostert now your clear starter for the Dolphins. You have uh, Miles Gaskin as the obvious backup, and given Mostert's injury history, like well, maybe speculate on that. Flip side of things from the Broncos' perspective, Melvin Gordon been inconsistent since the Javante Williams injury. You talked last week, Mike Boone is a cut, cut, cut. Latavius Murray has been getting carries, but not good because he's way too old. So maybe Chase Edmonds steps mm-hmm. into the fold a little bit. And then you have the Dolphins go ahead and require uh, another 49er player, at least not require, but uh, mm-hmm. inquire on Jeff Wilson, who now becomes the primary backup. And I think both yeah. Wilson and Chase Edmonds have some fantasy value at this point. Yeah, yeah, this is interesting to me uh, because – I, you know, I never really thought of Mostert as a big workhorse back anyway, even though he did get 14 of the team's 19 carries last week against Detroit. Um, so at first, you know, you're thinking right away like, okay, huge bump for Mostert, but then, of course, they go ahead and get Jeff Wilson, who we'll see. I still think Mostert's the starter. I don't see Wilson jumping in and getting double-digit carries immediately. There might be some utility there. I think if they're ahead in games especially – uh, Wilson will be will be the guy to roster over there. And uh, and just one correction, Miles Gaskin was a healthy scratch last week. They're using Selvan Ahmed, who got three snaps and one carry. So uh, anything behind uh, Mostert and Jeff Wilson is, is pretty much irrelevant at, at this point in time. But even with the acquisition of Jeff Wilson, I still think it's a pretty big bump for Mostert. Uh, they seem to be confident in him. Now, Edmonds to the Broncos is where, uh, you know, maybe the disagreement starts here because I look at this, you know, I know you were big on Edmonds to start the season, but I look at this Denver committee is what we're going to call it now. Um, You know, we mentioned, uh, you know, Mike Boone's a cut. Marlon Mack is is inactive. The, the, uh, the, The Broncos only use Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray in London, and Gordon saw many more, or he saw a handful more snaps, uh, whereas Murray saw a handful more carries. I don't believe that Chase Edmonds is suddenly going to come in there and win this job and see anywhere near 15 carries a game. This is a eight to 10 carries for each of them situation. If that maybe, maybe six to eight carries. And, uh, and cause I, I just don't see it with Chase Edmonds. He's going to be, uh, you know, a moderate utility desperation flex kind of guy is how I view it. But, um, I, to say his stock suddenly is soaring would, would be uh, would be incorrect in my so opinion. So I, I disagree. I do think Edmund's stock is soaring only because he couldn't have been further down, right? I mean, that would have been yeah. one of those that okay. you're like, Joe, you should have cut him five weeks ago. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, and yet in one of the leagues, I actually had to play him because of just lack of depth everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I, I disagree overall. I think you have Melvin Gordon averaging 3.5 yards per carry, by far his lowest during his uh, Broncos tenure. Latavius Murray, again, should be a crypt keeper at this point. He's he should not be in an NFL roster. And the fact that we're doing this thing where, <laughs> Hey, let's give him 3.5 yards per carry as well. No wonder the Broncos offense sucks, right? Like I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not convinced either one does things. Here's the most important part. What was Javante Williams good at 
when he was healthy in the offense. He was good at breaking tackles, and he was the only one that could do it. Okay, fine, yes, because he's also not ancient. But the other answer to this is catch passes. That's the whole value that Chase Edmonds was supposed to provide to the Dolphins. Turns out Mm -hmm. they didn't want their running backs to catch passes. Guess who does? The Broncos, who have a crappy offense right now when they don't have that guy around. I'm Mm -hmm. convinced Chase Edmonds does get 8-10 to carries, like you mentioned, but more importantly, gets Mm -hmm. 3-5 to targets per game and will get more of the snap share. I think Chase Edmonds is a guy that's – if he's available in a lot of leagues, and I thought I saw before the before the trade, he was at thirty two or thirty five percent rostered. Becomes one of those running backs that I will go out and get, and and not fab budget everything away, but I will have a significant premium with the idea that somebody for the Broncos is going to be a good running back, and it's not Gordon. I know that, and it's certainly not Latavius Murray either. Yeah, I mean Edmonds is out there at fifty five percent, so he's pretty gettable, and uh, the Broncos are one of the six teams that are on by this week, so um, you know maybe. You don't have to pay as much as you thought. But, yeah, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. I see a messy committee, and you, and you see a standout. And honest answer, probably somewhere in between. We'll so so here's the thing. And not have to do – I told you so this early in the show, mm-hmm. Jake. But last time you thought there was going to be a messy committee, what happened? Tyler Algier became a star for the Falcons. And actually, we have a question about that right now uh, <laughs> with Tyler Algier. What do you go ahead and do with him? I, I want to pull it up real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I will say that Caleb Huntley, who I put in the outline later on, has had 16 carries in two of the past three hmm. weeks. So I still think that's a messy committee. <laughs> oh, <it's fine. laughs> I don't think that's changed. And Cordero Patterson's coming off IR. So we're skipping around a little bit here. True. But, but, that's um, a good point with that. Oh, but real but, quick. but uh, messy committee is what I see when I look at that. <laughs> Would you pick up? He's, he's got CMC and Saquon. So he's just rubbing in our face. They yeah, both on bottom. Of course. Of course. So do you, have, do, you, do you pick up Kenyon Drake, Jamal Williams, or Tyler Algier to play in the absence of those guys? I think I'd go Jamal Williams and hope for more goal, goal line touches. Swift is still Swift is great, but he seems six to be working left, his way right? back. Yeah. Six minutes left. Lions could trade Swift. We might have uh, Jamal Williams become immediately more valuable in your 18 league, which is yes, we do have our Twitter up. We're, we're waiting for something to happen here. The last trade I think was William Jackson, but as of right now, at this moment in time, if you're listening, we're at uh, we're six minutes before the trade deadline here, so we've tr- tried to start it at a time when things were hopefully wrapping up. Uh, and so we can certainly cry about the Packers after the fact, too. Real quick, so we spent a lot of time recapping the trades. Monday Night Football, AFC North battle. I'm not sure why we continue to do this. Most times they stink. This one included <laughs> Browns. Primetime stinkers. Browns pull off the upset win in dr- uh, not dramatic, in dominant fashion yes. over the Bengals. It was Miles Garrett uh, haunting Joe Burrow all night. Joe Burrow still has not beat the Browns in his quarterback tenure, which is incredible to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, you had mentioned on the outline you were falling asleep. The trick-or-treaters were bothering with candy. I did not bother to turn into this game. I saw the box score, saw that Nick Chubb scored 21 points to beat me in a league. I really needed him to not do that, mm-hmm. and I checked out. Uh, so, so that's my thoughts. Remember to start the season when everyone was pretty pumped up on Joe Burrow and all his weapons and everything, and the offensive line just could not protect him yeah. one bit at all. Then all of a sudden, Joe Burrow goes on a little run where he's got 25, 23, 21, 35, 44 points, and he's on top of the world, granted some bad matchups in there. Now he's facing another very uh, difficult and skilled defensive front in the Cleveland Browns, and suddenly all of these offensive line problems that we were worried about were certainly back. The Browns' defense is uh, pretty much at full strength here. Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are, are coming at you from both sides. That's a scary thought there. And uh, yeah, Burrow just couldn't stay upright. It was um, it was very similar to a lot like I've seen uh, with, with the Chargers almost, where the only option that Burrow had was to go to Mixon in the checkdown because yeah. Mixon led the team uh, in targets with uh, what was it like eight targets or nine targets he had. And uh, of course, without Jamar Chase, T. Higgins was second with six targets. Now, T. Higgins is another interesting case too because Joe Burrow didn't have enough time at any point to really get the ball downfield until. It was like a three, four score game at the end there. Higgins had two catches for eight yards. He was basically a no show. And then Burrow found him in a garbage time drive for a 41 yard touchdown that um, that essentially saved his fantasy day. An amazing catch when you can find a way to get the ball anyway in T Hig- anywhere in T Higgins vicinity. He often finds a way to bring it down and make something happen. So I'm still pretty high on him. Eventually, you know, the Browns I still think have one of the better defensive fronts to make these challenges for Burrow happen. And of course, you got uh, if you saw any Miles Garrett coming to the stadium dressed up as Vecna, looking uh, <laughs> looking, looking outstanding costume for uh, for Miles Garrett. Just uh, great for me, great for the stake league, um, but. But, but anyway, the point is, is, you know, there are probably better things to come, but this offensive line, if these Bengals are going to – they're at 500 right now. You know, they're heading into uh, 
not actually not heading into their bye. Uh, the Browns are, but they're at 500 right now, and they just have to. I mean, there's always a story. They have to get these offensive line woes so, sorted out to be able to take advantage of the weapons that they do have downfield. And that, and that was really the story of this game for me, outside of um, you know Nick Chubb dominating and looking you know very much like RB one. I tend to agree with you as well too. Okay, so we have eight teams on bye and trying to focus on the trade stuff and also go through the waiver wire part of this. I also have, uh, I guess I'll tell you this, Jake, sources that we're going to have some news on Jonathan Taylor uh, in minutes as we're going throughout this podcast live too. So grace for that. Uh, So we we have the week nine buys, Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, and 49ers. Six teams on by. Yes, you struggled when the Eagles, Rams, and uh, other teams as well too, Vikings, we're on by. This is going to be a difficult part for a lot of people as well, too, with six teams mm-hmm. on by. From a quarterback perspective, we had talked about Sam Ellinger last week, Andy Dalton, Daniel Jones, who destroyed me as a fill-in for Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Daniel Jones. Single-digit points. Yeah. yeah, first time in four <laughs> weeks decides to suck. I am so I, glad that playing. I lost my Daniel Jones bids and ended up with Andy Dalton streaming for Mahomes Come in two on. weeks. I mean, Just... granted, his was only like 18, 17, 18 oh. points, too. But it oh, was, uh... hey, 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 no, 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 no. Trade time, trade time. Ding, ding, ding. Naheem Hines yeah. is going to the Buffalo Bills. There's your pass catcher. They they put a James Cook second-round pick on him. Completely wasted. Naheem Hines is being moved to the Buffalo Bills. I thought it was Jonathan Taylor news. It's not. It's Naheem Hines. Well, it is indirectly Jonathan Taylor news because Ooh, if Jonathan yes, Taylor point. can, of course, ever get healthy. <laughs> oh, I was told not to yell over the mic today. You can. I can yell just from back, back here, up, right? Yes. No, if uh, if Jonathan Taylor can ever get healthy, suddenly there is uh, there are no viable threats to his playing time. I mean, Deion Jackson – is not the pass catcher that Naheem Hines is. And I know this, this gets very interesting here because the Colts are getting significantly worse, I feel like, because of this, because Hines was productive as a third down back as a pass catcher. And now we know Taylor could do this. He stayed a whole extra year at Wisconsin to show to NFL scouts that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But, dang, we got to get him healthy. And uh, maybe there's some uh, there's there's a glimmer of hope for all the people who had the number one overall pick that are looking to dig themselves out of a major hole right now. Yeah, so here's the issue that I have with Hines, that he was dramatically overpaid. And honestly, the Bills have overpaid to have a pass catcher. If you think back to the offseason, they tried to sign J.D. McKissick. He ended up going back to the commanders. Oh, darn. We'll have one of our second-round picks because our roster is so loaded on James Cook. People are speculating James Cook is going to be uh, this star running, but especially in dynasty leagues, when in reality he wasn't even a good pass catcher nor runner. <laughs> Clearly, they saw that he stinks. He's yeah. a drop at this point. But now you have Naheem Hines, who is filling this role. Who are you taking the targets away from in this offense? Like they are clearly the best team in the league. They can't run the ball to beat teams. You think about what happened against yep. the Packers Bills mm-hmm. uh, last Sunday night. It was that okay, the Packers kind of stayed in things because they couldn't run the ball, yep. and yet you're going out and getting more pass catching weapons. I'm I'm. I know people are going to get excited because Hines is going to go to the best offense in the league, and maybe so, but I don't think the Bills will utilize him any better than the Colts did. And, I mean, he was probably droppable in uh, 10 team leagues for the Colts. Yeah, so Naheem Hines is at 55% rostered right now, and the reason he was at 55% rostered is because all those Jonathan Taylor owners wanted their backup just in case here. And now uh, that story obviously gets a little different, and, you know, he actually – yeah, I'm th- looking over that roster that I was keeping him on, and he may or may- I might hang on to him one week or, or two weeks to see how he's used, if I can stomach it with these bye weeks. But I could see him being a cut candidate a little bit. But for me, this probably hurts Devin Singletary the most because Devin Singletary was getting the very few targets they gave to their running backs because usually Josh Allen's just going to take off with it. But the very few targets that they were going to their running backs, some of them were going to Singletary, that's pretty much out for me now. And he probably loses a couple carries. And he was, what, a 10 fantasy point a game guy anyway? You would think the starting running back, the RB1 on the best offense in the league, would be more productive from a fantasy standpoint. Absolutely has not been the case. So while I'm not cutting Devin Singletary by any means in our 14-team stake league, I am certainly not starting him over the likes of Antonio Gibson or Ramondre Stevenson. Now, I think if I had to make the choice, I'd I'd probably bench Singletary for Gibson this week. Yeah, yeah, it's it's possible. I'm I'm happily surprised the Commanders are using Gibson the way they should have been the last three years, but too little, too late. It's okay for us from a face perspective because he's getting utilized in that capacity. All right, we have hit the trade deadline, you know, end, but I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Possible deals could still trickle in that had been agreed upon before. Yeah, it's well, certainly possible, but as of right now, Kareem Hunt still a Brown, Brandon Cooks still a Texan, Packers DJ still Moore sad. still a Panther, <laughs> and the Packers are getting squat. 
Yeah, uh, somebody says, is it possible that the Packers are the only team in the NFL using the Android phones and everyone says an iPhone and it's, you're, you're just missing the text? <laughs> yeah, they got the gray text, it's, the green text. Right, it's, it's entirely possible at this point, given what they have in, had had the inability to do throughout the trade deadlines in the past couple of years. Let's go back to these streaming quarterbacks. We had mentioned Daniel Jones last week as a disappointment. Let's mm-hmm. hope Justin Fields and his new toy is not this week's disappointment because he has looked fantastic yep. the past couple of weeks. And in a tough matchup against the Cowboys, mm-hmm. he still excelled. Now, I, I don't know. I there was a lot of talk about we had, we had this happen late. Malik Willis ended up starting for the Tan, uh, for Tannehill's for the Titans because Tannehill was injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have easily started Malik Willis last week over Justin Fields. That would have looked terribly wrong. Oh yeah, I mean, how many people were going with Ellinger and, and Willis in DFS last week that just got torched? Right. Yeah, I mean, so now we have the situation. The Dolphins did acquire Bradley Chubb. We'll see if Bradley Chubb, the, the star pass rusher for the Broncos, now Dolphins, will be active for this game. But it's the same situation where. Good defense, got good, really good key players, and yet Fields has made some things work from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean, Fields looks outstanding a couple weeks ago on Monday night against New England, but of course I was thinking in my head, like, you know, we haven't seen this from him before. It seems a little fluky. We'll see what happens when he gets Micah Parsons and the Cowboys the following week. Follows it up with an even better fantasy performance here, and now we've got quite the stretch for Fields coming up. Uh, Miami is 24th against opposing quarterbacks. Detroit is 29th. And Atlanta is 30th against opposing quarterbacks. So that is your next three-week stretch for Justin Fields. And on top of that, the Dolphins are what I believe allowing the fifth worst yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks in the league here. So, and obviously, we don't need to you know beat the dead horse here uh, with Fields' running ability. You know that he brings up your floor here with that you know with his ability to get 40, 50, 60 yards on the ground every week on his own in scrambles and suddenly he got another weapon. We'll see what kind of uh, capacity. Uh, so, I mean, obviously we made Allen made the graphic for us. We had the Justin Fields cover boy before we even knew about Claypool. And that's another tally in his direction. <laughs> Allen here. must've known. Allen, yeah, Allen has yeah. got the foresight. He's got more inside it. sources than you do over <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no big stuff. Uh, I, I, I am looking to actually, I would have never thought I would say this after week three, but I'm actually looking to go out and acquire mm. some Justin Fields. Okay, I'm not sure I go that far, but uh, again, six teams on by, you might have to be in this position where Fields is one of those. Let's mm-hmm. just go further down the list. You have Mariota uh, against the Chargers coming off by, but mm-hmm. and of course, losing their cornerback, yeah, JC Jackson, yeah. and Keenan Allen, Mike Williams might be out too. Keenan Allen didn't practice this weekend; it hurts you mm-hmm. in particular dynasty league. So Mariota and that running attack for the Falcons, winning games going against the Chargers. You got Mac Jones against the Colts, who uh, are at least sellers from the Naheem Hines perspective. Yeah, and, and the Colts Dalton. gave out a pretty good game to Heineke last week. That's you true. Know? Yeah, well, Packers did as well. Andy Dalton uh, against that Ravens secondary that's been beat up. They did acquire Roquan Smith uh, at the trade deadline, I guess, yesterday. Sam Ellinger against the Patriots. Not so much Davis Mills against the Eagles. And Zach Wilson against the Bills. Oh, boy. How about Taylor Heineke against the Vikings? That one might be an interesting yep. one, too. Yeah, outside of Fields, the only other one I bolded is one worth discussing, discussing is Taylor Heineke. Uh, the Vikings are giving up the second-worst yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks in the league here. You know, they're, they haven't given up a ton of passing touchdowns. Otherwise, they'd be much lower on the overall list. But um, the Vikings secondary can be had at times. And uh, and I think that Heineke has, you know, like Fields last week, has has really excelled in tough matchups. And we're seeing a different Terry McLaurin, too. Mm, you know, yes. Terry McLaurin, he wasn't scary Terry with, with Wentz at all. And now we have Heineke, and they have that same chemistry they had a while back. Uh, Heineke has found McLaurin what, in back-to-back weeks now, if I have that correct. Yep. And um, and just to have a revitalized McLaurin just just means the world here. And we have kind of a revitalized Antonio Gibson too. I remember I was ready to drop, put him on drop lists here after Brian Robinson was out there dominating carries. Now suddenly, maybe they're getting a little bit smarter with the Antonio Gibson usage, realizing that maybe their best back should get more touches. So this offense is. I don't know if I want to put them on the respectable tier just yet, but they're definitely on the passable tier, and Heineke can be a stream if you're stuck. I mean, so looking at the buys here, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, Steelers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Browns. For having six teams on buy, there aren't that many good quarterbacks. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing, right? I mean, <laughs> there aren't that many good quarterbacks that have to sit out It's this really week, Dak so. Prescott and Russ, and you might yep. be happy that you're sitting Russ as yeah, is, right? Yeah, Russ, you were maybe not starting to begin with, you know. So Russ was a guy that, you know, hopefully grabbed, grabbed Geno Smith or something early enough, you know. 
Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on the Malik Willis thing? I don't know if Ryan Tannehill plays this week or not. He had he had been missing practice all week with an ankle injury and then was sick Friday and Saturday. Couldn't do the walkthrough Saturday. I was on the wire for that period, so it became clear before they really mm-hmm. announced it it was going to be Malik Willis starting. Was awful, you know, just awful, awful as he had been in the preseason at times. But the talent, mm-hmm. you know, is is really tantalizing. For yeah, the, you know, throwing power. He's, and he's, yeah, he's one of those guys that could definitely benefit from sitting and watching a guy like Tannehill for a year. Um, I wouldn't aggressively go out and get Malik Willis. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tannehill comes back. They got the Chiefs on Sunday night this week. Uh, you know, maybe they'll have to be aggressive and play catch up with uh, with a, a top two offense in the league. I mean, I feel like Buffalo and Kansas City are probably one A and one B. And uh, oh, and you know, speaking of trade deadlines, we didn't really talk about the Chiefs and Kadarius Tony. Now, see if he makes an impact yeah. over there. So that becomes interesting here. But uh, yeah, other Ooh. than that, not much for the two quarterback leagues. Hmm. The Bills are trading Zach Moss and a sixth-round pick to the Colts for Hines and a fifth-round pick. So everyone's saying Deion Jackson immediately filling in as the pass catcher for the Colts. Well, not so fast. Zach Moss really was the pass catcher, and I know Singletary mm-hmm. was too. But uh, that's an intriguing, uh, intriguing option. I think Zach Moss is better than people, uh, and the Bills certainly seem to be uh, utilizing him in that capacity. I don't know. I'm interested. I would have said Deion Jackson was somebody would talk about in the running back, uh, situ- uh, running back section. Maybe it's more so now Zach Moss that could be in that conversation too. Yeah, and for some reason I was, uh, you know, I had a misconception about Jonathan Taylor being banged up again. Apparently, he returned to the game after he the injury scare. He did get scare. hurt, though. He did. yeah, he did get hurt, and yeah. then he came back to the game. So he doesn't actually. I guess we'll see with practice reports coming out, but he doesn't actually carry an injury tag on our site right now, for what that's worth. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. This will be interesting. And uh, and as far as yeah, as, as far as the Taylor owners, suddenly it is uh, Moss Jackson handcuff situation here which is which is interesting to to note all right let's get a word from our sponsors blue wire for the video audience we'll be right back uh, audio audience stick around we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we are back. We've been discussing the trade deadline. We went over the Monday Night Football game as well, too. Let's get to the running backs. And, and thankfully, the trade deadline happened, and we waited for it because, mm-hmm. to be honest, waiver wire pretty bleak right now. The Falcon situation is probably the one that's most interesting. And, yes, Jake, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. But oh, yeah, have, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you, have, you have Caleb Huntley at 4% roster. He took, took 16 carries to Algiers 14. Algiers was obviously way better. But yet you have Cordero Patterson, who is eligible to return uh, this week. And also we have Arthur Smith – head coach for the Falcons saying they're going to know Patterson's stats probably more 
later Wednesday. I keep forgetting we do this on Tuesdays, but later Wednesday. And that also counts Daryl Williams as well, too, who's been under reserve for the Falcons. It's entirely possible that if Patterson's Damian, active. Is it Damian or Daryl? I, I mix them up because Daryl's the Cardinals, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Dame, thank you. Damian Williams. Yes, thank you for the correction. Damian, because Daryl Williams is with the Cardinals. Damian Williams possibly also off of injury reserve as well, too. Patterson's the clear guy when he's healthy. It's a matter of if he's healthy. So this becomes a conversation where, okay, you're missing a lot of really good running backs and buy, not quarterbacks, but good running backs. Hey, Huntley got a lot of work. Oh, wait, that might go completely a wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if this, if a call happens or if they end up uh, just utilizing even the Damian Williams, not the Daryl Williams. Yeah. So while the quarterbacks on by are, are, are pretty terrible, the running backs on by, there's a whole lot of options. Obviously Saquon McCaffrey, uh, like we mentioned from our user question, Chubb, uh, you know, whether Zeke or Pollard, you know, the Broncos committee, whatever, Najee Harris, whatever you're messing around with, it's a bad week for bye week running backs. So the only actionable thing I would take from this, in my opinion, would be is if Patterson does not return, then Huntley could be a serviceable desperation play. You still probably look at Algier first, and, you know, and I'm fine with that. And he is uh, checking on his ownership. Algier's only 55%, so he's probably worth a look first if you need to fill in. Then then you could look at Huntley and hope for double-digit carries and hope for the best, maybe that he vultures a touchdown or something along those lines. But that's really how I see this because once Cordero comes back, I'm I'm not necessarily in any hurry to pick up Cordero either. But, um, again, we're going to, like I said right at the beginning, we're going to have a very messy committee. Yeah, I, I'm interested – I mean, I was on Algier from the beginning, and yet I didn't actually go ahead and get him in most most places. I thought, oh, my roster's fine. It was definitely not fine in most of those places. Algier has been more than capable as running back to reflect. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I was able to benefit from the Panther situation, which we outlined two weeks ago. Well, wow, did that get to be a great payoff because Deonta Foreman immediately steps in. We did this podcast last week saying, mm-hmm. hey, if Chuba Hubbard gets hurt, uh, it's Deonta Foreman all wheels up type of deal. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Did we have him as number one? I can't remember. It, it was. Either... It was. I think we kind of like a one A, one B situation. We were. Yeah. We were saying Foreman was going to be a guy that we want. I want. Oh, I probably had Gus Chuba. Edwards as one, but that was. But of course, you, know, you can't predict the injury. Yeah, right? he gets injured during Thursday's game, which is which is tough. I. I mean, I don't know in what areas Chuba. Uh, sorry, Deonta Foreman is still available, but if he is, I think that's the Panthers can't go back, right? You know, mm-hmm. a thirty-one point fantasy day Foreman quite literally was the reason why they were competitive in that one. I know more. DJ Moore caught that deep touchdown on the Hail Mary, but it was Foreman that really kept things going. Uh, I, a few of the users were asking, again, I think it's probably eight or ten team leagues. That's fine. Foreman is going to be a good player. Not that I'm acquiring him in the same way I would Kenneth Walker, for example. I think Foreman is the back to stay for them. And uh, adding to the equation, I will drop Raheem Blackshear. I, I was thought I was thought he was going to get more work with Chuba Hubbard out. He, once again, got very little snaps. Yeah, he, he only got seven snaps, two carries, zero targets. Targets are what we were hoping for. So, yeah, he can go back on the on the drop list. We didn't quite have that one uh, down yet. But um, mentioning, you know, tying Deontay Foreman in the rankings with Gus Edwards last week, that proves to be a good transition to the Baltimore backfield where mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins, of course, is on IR. Uh, Gus Edwards injured his hamstring at the end of – it was actually early in the fourth quarter. So he wasn't doing the greatest before the injury necessarily, but he did miss time in the fourth quarter. And, again, you want to talk messy committees, this gets back to uh, – it looks like Kenyon Drake is uh, is leading the way here. Um, that was the case on uh, on Thursday night, which you get all the way back. Uh, 57.9% of snaps, only seven carries to 11 for Gus Edwards. But if it comes down to a situation in which it's Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill, Kenyon Drake is the back to roster and play uh, in that situation. And his ownership, because of the dud performance after the huge Gus Edwards game, Kenyon Drake went down to 31% rostered, so he's pretty widely available. Uh, I Yeah, I mean, do we know if Gus Edwards is going to be out for a period of time, or is it just kind of a day-by-day situation with the we'll Ravens? We'll get a better idea when the old practice reports come yeah, out right course, now. Of course, right. it's just a questionable hamstring situation. He is apparently day-to-day. You don't love a soft tissue injury because of its chance of re-injury. So, again, if you, if you have to do fab tonight, you're bidding on Drake. Uh, kind of gambling and rolling the dice here that he ends up leading the backfield with Edwards either out or limited. I'm kind of glad we waited to do this podcast, obviously, as the trade deadline edition, because multiple things from the running back uh, waiver period were addressed. A, I would have said, if there's one team that's going to make a move, it's the Rams trading for running back. And I thought specifically Kareem Hunt. 
That didn't happen. Kareem Hunt did not get traded. The Rams did not make a move. Mm -hmm. They didn't trade Cam Akers either. There were reports that if they didn't, Akers would be eventually back. I don't know if I really believe that. But now you have a situation where Kyron Williams, who we've been talking about for weeks, is already at 45% rostered, should be coming off injured reserve this week. They were starting somebody named Ronnie Rivers for periods of last uh, last week's divisional loss to the 49ers. That went about as well as you would have thought. Although Rivers looked fine. You know, I don't think he was that great. Uh, he got eight carries to Anderson's four. I think once Kyron Williams comes back and is actually active, that is your starting running back for the Rams the rest of the season. Yeah, the thing with Rivers is he was only on the field for barely over a third of the, of the team's snaps, 36.2%. And Henderson led the way. He was only at 41.4%. So this backfield is there for the taking. And even with the slow 40 time everyone likes to bring up with Kyron Williams, you know, that defensive line kind of 40 time, um, you know, it he wasn't still... that bad. <laughs> it was a four six. That's a that's, that's Montez Sweat. I thought I saw times. four seven five somewhere. No, but, uh, no, I must have. It was not. That someone bad. must have been trolling me on Twitter. Anyway, but uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, Kyrie. This is. I mean, I don't. I don't see any immediate resolution to this Cam Akers situation here. Daryl Henderson is what he is. He's probably you know. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Rivers got more targets than Daryl Henderson. So what does Rivers that tell that you? Bad. I really yeah, didn't. He didn't look that bad, but um. And he even started. He, Rivers right. started he the, the game, mm-hmm. which uh, I mean, it just it, it tells you that this position is completely up for grabs. And if you get a guy with the draft pedigree of you know someone like Kyron Williams, there's certainly uh, opportunity to go out there and take over. Now the ownership reflects that, though. Kyron Williams mm-hmm. is 45 percent. Ronnie Rivers is one percent still. So you know, people didn't. I mean, I think it might have been Barry or somebody that kind of leaked that that yeah. uh, that uh, Rivers was gonna. Yeah, that's Saturday, yeah, of course, because you, you got the you got It was, the it was yep. like I had never even heard of Ronnie Rivers before, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so this is something that's there. Do I yeah. do I write a note? Do I cite Matthew Barry for this? Mm-hmm. Because nobody was saying anything about it. Sounds it sounds like a character on Yellowstone or something, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I was like, okay, this is this is suspicious. We'll put in the rumor note section. Somebody will write something on this, but <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can like, yeah, officially yeah. report it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was weird. I, I would think – Kyron Williams is going to be the guy coming back. And whether or not that matters to you, because the Rams offense hasn't been very good. The key part for me is they've already went through their bye week. So mm-hmm. you are not wasting a roster spot the rest of the season. Yeah. The reason that we wait to the trade trade deadline is also this part that Camara, Elvin Camara was not traded, right? There was mm-hmm. multiple reports that the Saints wanted to get back the first round pick that the Eagles fleeced them for with Chris Olave earlier this offseason. Okay. Uh, that's not going to happen. Alpha Kamara is still a saint. He has been playing fantastic over the last month, certainly the last three weeks of the season with Andy Dalton as the QB with Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, just uh, dead in the water at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, at least from a fantasy perspective, Kamara wasn't traded, but that means that guy like Mark Ingram uh, and even Dwayne Washington have yeah. uh, basically zero value. Once mm-hmm. I was stretching for running backs when I jotted this down. I was like, well, Ingram hurt his knee. Kamara might get traded. Who's the guy then? But, you know, obviously that's moot. If, uh, Kamara doesn't get traded. I did want to bring up one more running back, though. He's someone that we touched on last week. And, of course, this team was on a bye, so his ownership was down to about 20 – or it's down to 34%. So, uh, And that man is Isaiah Pacheco of the Chiefs. Mm. Now, you talk about late week start-sit news. Um, you know, for whatever reason, the Chiefs decided that Pacheco was going to get the start over Edward Solaire uh, before the bye. Now, he didn't necessarily do a ton with that opportunity, but he did not look terrible either. And if you play by the theory that after the bye week, rookie running backs kind of get let loose a little bit, obviously here we are after the Chiefs' bye week. You've got a top two offense in the league. It's them in Buffalo, and uh, Pacheco is around. Someone, I, I have a situation in a 14-teamer where I was desperate I need an RB2 somehow, and the waiver wire is absolutely disgustingly barren, and someone had dropped Pacheco in a roster crunch, and I've been $23 on him to get him. Okay. Uh, so I've, I've got enough confidence be, um, because that's what I felt I, I needed to get him even before the bye week here. So I've got some confidence in him possibly uh, emerging a little bit now. Jarek McKinnon is around. Obviously, Edward Zolaire is going to have some kind of role. So will he dominate? No, but will he be productive enough to be – I mean, I mean, right now I'm looking in that particular league, it's Isaiah Pacheco or A.J. Dillon, right? And so, right. So, I mean, the, the outlook for Pacheco is just as favorable, if not better. So there are scenarios when maybe you take a look at him over some of these options that we've talked about. Or if you're lucky enough to avoid this bye week craziness and your starters, and your starters are making it, and you have a bench spot to use, why not grab Pacheco and wait and see? Because that's a potentially, I mean, it's just a high ceiling 
uh, pickup. I, I like that a lot, whether it be 12 team or 14 team. I think the 10 team thresholds where it gets yeah, 10 team, you can probably go and leave them up for next week, you uh, know, if you have to. I would anticipate that as well, too. It's funny, you had listed a couple of stashes and cuts. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. bit earlier in this, guys like James Cook, whoop, not anymore with Naeem Hines. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an nope. absolute uh, cut. Same with Deon, uh, Durance Johnson with Kareem Hunt staying in the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Wilson, definitely don't want to cut him after the trade. I think he – I well, again, I think he has value as the backup for a running back that has had history of injury concerns mm-hmm. in Raheem Mostert, and we know how valuable Mostert has been. Oh, God, it just clicked to me that they're reunited from their San Francisco days. Yes. I didn't, I didn't. And Mike McDaniel, right, the coach for both of them, is, is not yeah. the head coach for that situation. Oh, boy. Jake, Jake's a little bit slow on this one. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, I think Kyron Williams, if he's available, is the top pick from a running back perspective, and I think mm-hmm. that tells you all you need to know on yeah. the week nine wave wire mm-hmm. because there's just not a lot. Yeah, I'd go Kyron Williams, and then and, and honestly – I'd, I'd probably look to Pacheco because I want to try to grab some upside if I can. Okay. Um, Dontrell Hiller is only 12% rostered. You know, you talk about a Derrick Henry handcuff, and there's even sometimes on occasion a tiny bit of standalone value. And the 14-teamer where I have Henry, for example, Hiller has been on my roster all year. I haven't even thought about dropping him. Um, he's a Again, if you're looking at the last bench spot that you have and you need someone that could be a break or two away from uh, from from hitting it big, Hillard's a guy that you could look at. We have to burn through the receivers pretty fast. Thankfully, there's not as you know a lot of big name players just like the running backs. Before we do that, though, let's get a word from our sponsors here. NFL All Day is the officially licensed digital collectible of the NFL. It's a whole new way to express your fandom by owning the greatest moments from your favorite players and teams. Each moment on NFL All Day features a limited edition video highlight of one of the greatest plays from NFL's past or present from OBJ's iconic one-handed catch to Patrick Mahomes' five touchdowns on five straight possessions to Brian Erlacher's 85-yard pick six into the Packers. We don't like that one. There's a truly moment. There's there's truly a moment on NFL All Day for every fan. And it doesn't stop at being able to, uh, to own a collection of your favorite moments because NFL All Day rewards collectors for their fandom. You see, NFL All Day collectors have earned once-in-a-lifetime experiences like literally going on stage at the draft to announce draft picks and meeting some of the biggest names from the 2022 NFL draft at the NFL PA rookie premiere. What's the best way to get started? Head to NFLallday.com to sign up and redeem a free limited edition NFL collectible featuring Patrick Mahomes. Don't miss out on NFL All Day's next generation fan platform and start unlocking rewards and experiences today. So from the trade perspective, the biggest winner would be George Pickens, right? And we have been talking mm-hmm. about him for weeks. Unfortunately, he's far past our 50% threshold on Yahoo. He's still worth looking up. He was like 65% or something mm-hmm. when I last checked. So he's still worth typing in at least to see if you can uh, go ahead and get him. And suddenly he becomes addable in a 10-teamer as well. Yeah, we had talked about Marquise Goodwin last week with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both out. Well, he didn't do a whole what lot. What happened with DK Metcalf? He's I don't know. I'm happy human. about it. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, 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 exactly yeah I it, guess right? so. I, I blew almost a quarter of my budget in dynasty getting good one to make up for Allen for a week and <laughs> yeah, Allen's not yeah. be up for a week it seems like Wandale Robinson is okay fine enough mm-hmm. you have to talk about the uh Chargers situation again with Mike Williams out for multiple weeks Keenan Allen not practicing today and then I think the biggest one is your boy and my boy kind of I, I was I had sold on him but you're you're back in Terrace Marshall Look at look at Terrace Marshall. Well, he's yeah. nine targets, eighty-seven yards. I'm like, let's go. I'm mm-hmm. all in on Terrace Marshall. No, you yeah. only caught what four of those nine targets to get 80, 89 yards. So, so you know, we'll maybe just hit the brakes, tap the brakes a tiny, tiny bit here. But um, he's someone that, yeah, last week I was. It was kind of one of those roster dead weight situations. Well, let's grab Marshall and see what happens. Now, DJ Moore didn't move anywhere, but Marshall is suddenly on the field and producing. So uh, he's an absolutely a player that we have to watch for. Yeah, it's interesting. So, which of these receivers? We have the Rashad Bateman injury, obviously, with the the Ravens last Thursday. It was Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. Gus Edwards, and Bateman. Bateman's going to be out multiple weeks now. Devin DuVernay had been a topic yeah. really at the beginning of our season when we were talking about free agent ones. We're going to have to do at the end of the year. We always do the uh, top waiver wire additions, and there hasn't been a lot of clear names. I kind of think Devin DuVernay is going to be one of the wide receiver categories. He's now at fifty three percent rostered, really close yep. to our threshold. Then there's Demarcus Robinson, who has been known as a good blocker throughout his career, was getting a decent amount of targets in that Thursday game post Bateman. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I think the biggest winner, if Bateman's mm-hmm. out and Mark Andrews out, is a guy not even listed as wide receiver, but Isaiah Likely, who caught that touchdown, absolutely, uh, and also has the infamous meme now where it says, "How many beers do you want to drink?" And it's uh, how likely many beers am I going to drink this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah likely yes, eight. Yes. <laughs> 
So I don't know. What, what's your thought with uh, with Bateman out? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, DuVernay, I think, has to be the first name you punch in out of any of the receivers that we talk about this week. And at 53%, you at least have a shot that he is out there because, uh, you know, they'll get the ball to him in creative ways. He's obviously great in open field. He might sneak you a kick return or something like that uh, out, out there. So he's or a guy, rushing touchdown. Or a rushing there. touchdown. Yeah, exactly. So he's the guy. A little less interested in Demarcus Robinson. But really the theme with wide receivers this week is a little bit retreads that still are below our threshold a little bit. So DuVernay, 53% over the top. Romeo Dobbs, 47%. And it's partially a last-man-standing situation with Romeo Dobbs of the Packers because, all you know, with Cobb on IR, Watson uh, back in concussion protocol, they just don't have bodies. And, uh, you know, he, and no he, trades. And, and, and no trades. So Romeo Dobbs, you know, at 47%, he might arguably be a better pickup than DuVernay. I know people kind of went off him after one bad week, but you can obviously see the skill is there. You know, if there's any positive to take out of the Packers game on Sunday night, it was the amazing touchdown catch that he seemed to spin around two or three times that to find, really play, and yeah. find his footing. So uh, obviously the skill is there. That's going to help Rodgers get his trust back. So that's one retread at 47%. You definitely want to um, pick up. I caught him on waivers in a 14-teamer uh just a week ago really yeah so i was really surprised to see that so that's one that you have to take a look at um i know two weeks ago rondell moore had a pretty poor showing but then he went out and had a breakout game this week you know uh nine catches i believe a touchdown only 35 percent roster might be tough to expect consistency there but he's a guy that you absolutely have to look at um and then let's see a couple more do you want to i mean you got to hit your chargers again. Josh Palmer, I think, is the man now that he's back from concussion protocol. He was wide receiver, too, in the absence of Allen. And now it's a Palmer-Carter show. But, you know, I could very much see Eckler just getting 15 targets. I kind of wondered, would the Chargers make a move at wide receiver? I thought for sure the Packers wouldn't because they hate us mm-hmm. as fans. But I thought the Chargers been aggressive all season long. Why wouldn't they? I wonder if they kind of took a look at the AFC, saw how good the Bills were, saw how good the Chiefs were. And like, no, we need to give up additional uh, draft assets yeah, for Brandon exactly. Cooks or Elijah Moore. Uh, DeAndre Carter's going to be your speed threat. He'll be out there for a lot, especially with Mike Williams now done for quite a while. I think DeAndre Carter is going to be like the, um, the the guy that gets, oh, hey, you know, he's been playing 90% of the snaps but saw four targets, right? That that has been in that offense for three years now, and I think that what that's mm-hmm. what DeAndre Carter does, but maybe gets a few more targets as like the bubble specialist. It's Josh Palmer. I mean, it is Josh Palmer mm-hmm. that gets those slot targets if Keenan Allen yeah. can't play. But if Keenan Allen does play – I don't think Palmer has that value, so that's kind of the key for me. Exactly, and I still rank Dobbs above those guys, but uh, I can use Dobbs, Deverne. I yeah, think I have Dobbs, Deverne, Rondell Moore, yeah, Palmer. Okay, then a couple more names just to throw out there. Traylon Burks is only seventeen percent rostered. He's going to be eligible to come off IR soon. He had shown some uh, some pro- some signs of production. And they need a wide receiver, you know, outside of Robert Woods there. So there's an opportunity immediately in Tennessee. The Titans really need that wide receiver help. I mean, they're a team that's above 500 that could have uh, that could have easily made a trade this deadline. But uh, they must be counting on Traylon Burks to come back. And then, again, we look to Detroit. There's some targets opened up after the Hawkinson trade. Um, you know, Monroe St. Brown can't get 20 targets a game necessarily, though that might happen a couple times and I wouldn't be surprised. But Josh Reynolds looks to be number two. Uh, Khalif Raymond has seen more snaps, but Reynolds is getting more targets and has been more productive there. So uh, those are the couple of other guys that I thought might be worth a mention this week. We should really discuss, especially at this spot too, the Kadarius Tony trade really was the, the precursor for the trade deadline. Kadarius Tony trade to the Chiefs for a third and sixth round pick. Giants get out of the, the bad player asset for them, right? He'd been injured mm-hmm. and uh, been frustrated. They drafted Wanda Robinson as a direct replacement for him to get draft compensation of that value back. I thought it was an absolute win for the Giants. People are going to say Kadarius Tony is really talented, and they're not wrong. I mean, he, he definitely is. Mm-hmm. But availability is important, and I, I'm not convinced on the Chiefs he is going to be available enough to make you a fantasy difference. So, But, ta-da, he's suddenly healthy now. He's going to play this week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, right? It's it's the – well, so here's mm-hmm. here's when I when I saw the trade, I immediately went to go look, and I was surprised. I was shocked by how many people were still rostering Kadarius Tony. It made no mm-hmm. sense to me for a guy that had played maybe two games yep. in two years. Fifty eight percent right now. It, it's insane to me. Do you feel like he's a guy that can be a startable flex or wide receiver three every week, or is that lower in your totem pole? To me, where he ranks in this uh, in this list of wide receivers we have depends on your team needs. If you need a wide receiver three or a flex this week, which is certainly possible with all these buys. He's probably down at three or four on that list here. You know, I'm still looking for, you know, DeVernay, Rondell Moore, Romeo Dobbs. It's still probably Dobbs number one. Um, but uh, if you can survive this week 
and want to stash someone, that's a situation where I, I would probably go ahead and pick up Tony and you can wait and see. And he could be active and only play 10 snaps and then you can cut him, no harm, no foul. Um, I don't necessarily know that the move is making me go out and rush and grab Tony, but on the other side, what it is making me do is consider maybe cutting bait with Valdez Scantling in a 14-team league. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that necessarily. But it's I, getting I, closer to that point. I have been thinking about it for a while. Uh, almost did in a roster crunch this week with the Chiefs on bye. Ended up holding out and starting to Marquez Callaway. But, you know, <laughs> anyway. Didn't work out in that Didn't regard. work Anybody out. Anybody else at the water you want to talk about? Nobody else at the water okay. So let's go ahead and hit a word from our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back in Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more of your speed, we've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks. Salary caps, no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win. Daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. I, I actually think Isaiah likely, depending on the stats, Mark Andrews is my overall top wave wire pick. We talked about all the retread uh, tight ends, eight through 13, 15 range. And I think Isaiah likely is going to be a really prominent factor. We saw it in the preseason. You and I both pushed the hype train down on that one because Mark Andrews was still healthy. Well, he's got a lot going on, Mark Andrews. And I think Isaiah likely has proven to be a very capable receiver on a team that already is missing Rashad Bateman, has to use DeVerney, who I like, but also Demarcus Robinson. Like, I think Isaiah likely is a really, really interesting name if Mark Andrews is to missing time. Mark Andrews has been one of the most durable players, if not tight ends. Um, throughout the entirety of his career, played a full 17 games last year. Not many guys at any position can say that. Uh, he's dealing with two injuries, shoulder and ankle injuries. Again, it's one thing that you're going to have to watch in the practice report, but it was also a thing where he came out and was injured very early in the Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Now he's got the long week to get right, and uh, you know, for someone as durable as he is, that is certainly possible. Um, but if he is... If he does like a no practice, no practice, limited practice, and then is active, that's still enough for me to be uh, comfortable maybe grabbing and starting somebody like likely. Uh, you also have Greg Dulcich, who a early, early morning Sunday uh, football and London, again, what, third straight weeks he's been mm-hmm. activated that he's been at least a top 10 fantasy scorer. I was a little bit low on Dulcich. I thought Albert Equipmanum was going to be the guy, uh, and I was a little bit bitter towards that. At this point, we have to be clear mm-hmm. that Daniel Hackett likes Dulcich to the point where He's getting those opportunities and is a fancy asset. Yeah. However, he's at 40, 42% roster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, But he's passing the eye test. One of those drives that the Broncos had was entirely Dulcich. You know, three big catches on that drive, which, you know, and, and eventually, you know, he was down at the one. We could, I mean, this could be a very t- different conversation if he scores, if he's, you know, in the end zone on that play. You know, Murray eventually punched it in. But what I think about Dulcich is this. I picked him up in the Kelsey League. And even though I have Kelsey in that 12-team league, I'm not dropping Dulcich yet. I think he's worth keeping around um, to see if someone wants to offer the whole boat in a trade for Kelsey or maybe as a flex if I get desperate with injuries. Hmm. Interesting. Um, we also have Evan Ingram who at 43% roster. Again, it's a little tougher for tight ends. He had the six catches – I'm sorry, six targets but 55 yards and a touchdown. You know, one we're talking about lower-end bi-week fill-ins. I think Evan Ingram makes a lot of sense there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, he's absolutely fine in this situation. The thing I like about him, too, is he doesn't really leave the field, 93.8% of snaps. Yeah, he's had his drop issues in the past, but the volume and his presence on the field is going to do the trick for him. So the other one we mentioned with TJ Hawkinson dealt to the Vikings is Brock Wright that will step in as the starter. However, James Mitchell is a rookie fifth-round pick, far more athletic than Brock Wright. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're going to see either one step up necessarily, but if you are in a super deep league or like the Scott Fishbowl, which puts a premium on the tight ends or other one of those tight end premium ones, and you have roster spots, yeah, this is the same situation to me as Chupa Hubbard and Deonta Foreman, but mm-hmm. at tight end. One of those guys is going to merge. I'll have both my roster to make sure I get the correct <laughs> one. I, yeah, I, I don't know about using two roster spots on those guys. I worry a lot about, you know, the backup tight end on a bad team with subpar quarterback play. Obviously, we kind of screwed the pooch with Harrison Bryan last week. He didn't get involved at all on Monday night. And I feel like this could be a similar situation where the tight end's just not a factor in the passing game for Detroit. You just see a few more targets sprinkled to Swift, a few more sprinkled to Amonra, and some for Reynolds, and maybe even Khalif Raymond. And just how it's going to shake out. That's fair. Herb Smith obviously cut when he's going on injured reserve now for the next eight to ten weeks as well, too. That's why they made the move for Hawkinson. Real quick, Jake, what are some streaming defenses you like? Because I look up the uh, other questions I've been asked. Yeah, the website consensus is, uh, you know, everyone that's written for us this week seems to like the Cincinnati Bengals at 41%. Uh, 
Uh, they get P.J. Walker and the Panthers, which I guess on paper that's a fine matchup, but it's not like the Bengals played all that great and couldn't stop the run there on Monday night. They let Jacoby Brissett torch them, so that worries me a little bit. I don't love the Packers on the road at Detroit, but I know a lot of people have been dropping them lately, and uh, you know the defense still has some assets there. The Raiders got shut out this week, and the Jags have them at home, so that's a possibility. Um, I'm not really, you know, I've seen Miami floated around too. It's it's really a bad week for streaming defenses. I guess I'd probably get on board with Cincinnati unless um, Malik Willis ends up starting for Tennessee again. Then maybe I'd look at Kansas City, who's only 30% rostered here. Um, and you know, the Chargers defense we mentioned, you know, losing some some key components here. But they're only 28%, and they're coming off a bye, oh, and they I'm get not, the Falcons. I'm not touching the Chargers, given how bad their run defense is, and that's the yeah. Falcons thing that they explicitly want to do. Mm-hmm. I really do like that that Kansas City one, provided it is Malik Willis. That, that is a yeah. layup, even though Derrick Henry is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually convinced that it'll work just fine yeah. if, if Malik is your quarterback. So it's going to be kind of a wait and see to see uh, if we get any of these quarterback situations similar to what we had last week. Okay, well, that does it for us in the Tuesday uh, Rotoware edition of the podcast, sponsored by No House Advantage. Obviously, a trade, right? Naheem Hines during the broadcast itself, but plenty of action throughout what was been the, the most tumultuous trade deadline in recent memory. Uh, let's hope that everyone can get through these six bye weeks and get uh, things unscathed, at least for week 10. But we'll be right back next week to discuss more of your waiver wire pickups. So best of luck to your fantasy lineups. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No. Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. Ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.